This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger, powered by Pastano by Sprinkler. On today's show, Brian sits down with Seth Berger, the managing director of the Sixers Innovation Lab. I think the greatest thing that an entrepreneur can do is to be first comfortable with the freedom that being an entrepreneur provides. The second thing that's really important for an entrepreneur is to surround yourself with great teammates. And we catch up with the president of Vivint Smart Home Arena in Salt Lake City, Jim Olson. Now, with Sports Business Radio, here's Brian Berger. Thanks for checking out the only show dedicated to covering the business side of sports. We're happy to be powered by our friends at Sprinkler. Follow them online at sprinkler.com. That's S-P-R-I-N-K-L-R.com. We've got a great show lined up for you this week. Two very interesting guests on the show this week. The first, Seth Berger. Yes, he spells his name the same way I do. He's the director of the Philadelphia 76ers New Innovation Lab. We'll talk to him. What does it take to be a successful entrepreneur? What types of companies are the Sixers looking for for their new innovation lab? We'll talk to Seth Berger on the show this week. Also, Jim Olson, he's the president of Vivint Smart Home Arena. They're the home of the NBA's Utah Jazz. They're doing some renovations with our friends from Boingo Wireless. We will talk to Jim Olson on the show this week as well. I'm joined by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, it's fall. I mean, hoops is back. I'm excited about the NBA. I love I love hoops. That's probably my favorite sport. And, you know, college football is good, too. And uh, you got the World Series. I mean, it's a good time. It is a good time. Let's start with the NBA. The season got underway this week. And from a sports business perspective, the thing to me that is the number one story is the looming CBA deal, so the collective bargaining agreement. It is due, well, it won't expire. The players can opt out of the agreement by December 15th. So the news that has been leaking out is that Adam Silver, his first rodeo as commissioner with the CBA, Michelle Roberts, her first rodeo as the head of the Players Union. You've got Chris Paul, who's the president of the Players Union, LeBron James, who's the vice president of the Players Union. So a stacked Players Union here. But then Adam Silver, who really has, since he became commissioner, built up tremendous relationships with the players. It sounds like they're going to get a deal done, and it's going to be before December 15th. And Griggs, why shouldn't they? They are a league that is swimming in money right now. Their popularity is as high as it's been since, I would say, the Michael Jordan days. Uh, they are a global sport. And here's the thing. And I tweeted out an article that was in the Wall Street Journal this week. While the NFL right now is declining for a number of reasons that we'll discuss in a moment, the NBA is sitting in a really pretty position. Could the NBA become the number one sports league in North America, surpassing the NFL? They're in a great position, so for them to have any kind of a work stoppage would be a huge mistake. And I think Adam Silver, the commissioner, I think Michelle Roberts, and I think the players know that. So I would expect that a deal will get done before December 15th. Yeah, I agree with you, too. I think, like you said, with the NFL kind of going down a little bit, I feel like the NBA is is peaking at the right time. And I think Adam Silver, like you said, great relationships. The players seem to like him. I think coming into this uh, agreement, it's going to be done fairly quickly. I agree with you and everything because I, I really think they, the players and the owners see that the NBA is on the rise. They're in a good spot. So get it done, get it moving out, and keep uh, keep the ratings flying in. And make no mistake, in my opinion, the NBA is the number one global sport as far as U.S. pro sports leagues. They do a better job than the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NHL, MLS, anyone else, NASCAR. I've been to China. I've been to the Philippines. I've been to Japan. I've been to Europe. You see the NBA all over the world. That's not the case with those other leagues that I mentioned. So, you know, the global sport and popularity of basketball and of the NBA is on the rise. Now, let's talk about some predictions. I know we're only one game in. The Warriors, their home opener, people are like, they're going to have the best record ever. <laughs> they got pounded by 29 points at home to the Spurs. Everyone's sleeping on the Spurs. Kawhi yep. Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge, pretty good one-two punch last time I looked. Greg Popovich, the best coach in the NBA. Yep. I think most people would agree with that. Um, it's going to be an interesting season, but... You know, boy, Cleveland is the epicenter this week. You have the rings Mm -hmm. that the Cavaliers got. Right next door, you've got the World Series going on, games one and two at Progressive Field. So who would have thought five, ten years ago that we'd say, 
Cleveland, potentially <laughs> the city of champions. Yeah. It's amazing, but if I had to make a prediction, I, I did on Twitter this week, I said my final four would be the Cavs and the Raptors, so a rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals from last year. And then the Warriors, even though, you know, as we've discussed, I think it's going to take them a quarter of the season or so to get comfortable with each other. And the other scary thing about the Warriors is this, and no one talks about this, they don't have the depth that they've had the last few years. Their starters are going to have to play a tremendous number of minutes. Are they going to be tired at playoff time? And then here's the thing really no one talks about. (laughs) Kevin Durant has had problems with his feet. Yeah. And if this guy goes down or misses any length of time, that team is in big trouble because you got rid of all of your depth to sign Kevin Durant. And look, I'm not saying I wouldn't have done the same thing, but it's going to take some time for them to gel, and they have no margin for any serious injury to one of their four core players. So, Warriors and Blazers, I know we're based in Portland, but I like the Blazers this year. I think they have a chemistry that I don't see in other teams. I think they have the second best backcourt in the league to the Warriors with Dame, Damian Lillard, and CJ McCollum. By the way, I'll give Damian Lillard a quick plug if you haven't gotten his Letter Zero album. It's good. Uh, it's on iTunes. Check it out. He's the best NBA rapper ever. <laughs> I mean, he really is. Like, even if he wasn't an NBA player, you'd listen to him and go, that guy's got serious rap game. Yeah. So I would tell you to go listen to that. You know, we follow this closely because we're here in Portland, but he's good. Yeah. Um, but I like Blazers, Warriors, Cavs, Raptors, and, you know, we'll go from there. But uh, what do you like? Man, You, we are like twins today because I'm right there with you. I kind of wanted the Hawks. I'm thinking Hawks could be okay, but I, I think you're right. Raptors are going are gonna to be right there with Cleveland. But, I mean, LeBron looked like a beast last night in, in his first opening. I'm triple-double. Yeah. He looked great. Cleveland looks good. They're pumped. Well, Kevin Love looked good, Kevin too. Kevin Love looked good. Uh, but I think, like we talked off-air, Golden State's going to take you know, 20, 30, maybe 40, half the season to get gelling. But injuries are huge because they don't have that bench, which has carried them through the last couple of years. Other things I said, too, on Twitter this week at SB Radio— I think the Knicks make the playoffs. They haven't made the playoffs in, in several years, mm-hmm. um, even though they did not look good in game one. <laughs> but, you know, in the East, I think they can get in. And then I think the Minnesota Timberwolves with Tom Thibodeau there, Carl Anthony Towns is a, a sleeper MVP pick for some people. Um, I think the T-Wolves get into the playoffs this year. So there's going to be some new looks come playoff time, but I think there's really only a couple of teams that can win the NBA championship. And uh, I think those teams will will be there in the end. Yep, I agree with you totally. And I, I you know, not to Lillard last night too. Game one, thirty seven point, thirty nine points. He looked pretty good. And uh, I'm with you too. I think the Blazers are a good full team, and they've they've added to their bench. And uh, who doesn't like Terry Stotts? I think he's a great coach. How weird is it? NBA opening night, first time in nearly twenty years. No Kobe. No Kevin Garnett, no Tim Duncan. It was weird, yeah, Griggs, right. seeing the Spurs without Tim Duncan, the Lakers without Kobe, the T-Wolves without Kevin Garnett. It, it just doesn't feel right. I think we're in this new era, much like the NFL has had to turn the page from Peyton Manning right. and some others. Yeah, the NBA, those were three megastars. Those are three first ballot Hall of Famers, yep. three of the greatest, You know, I'd say 20 players, maybe even 10 players, whoever suited up in the NBA, and without them this year, it's a little odd. A few other NBA nuggets. Kristaps Porzingis has switched from Nike to Adidas, so he signed with Adidas, and then James Harden unveiled his first signature shoe with Adidas. I thought it was okay. I I like Porzingis' shoe better than, and and frankly, of Adidas' NBA guys, I like Damian Lillard's shoe the best yeah, of all. Yeah, his, his is great. And I like the colorways. And But it's interesting to see, you know, Nike has had right of first refusal on Steph Curry, on Porzingis, on some other guys, and they haven't matched. And mm-hmm. they've let him go to Under Armour. They've let him go to Adidas. And this Porzingis deal is the highest deal ever for a European player, reportedly nearly $6 million a year. So he is in New York. He's 7'3". And he can cross people over. He can shoot from the outside. Like He's one of those guys that people are saying, is he going to be a transcendent player? Is he going to be a guy that changed the game? Kind of like KG did where you looked and you went, wow, this guy's seven foot. And mm-hmm. look at the things he can do on the court. We'll see. But I'm sure part of it for Adidas, too, is not only is he in New York, but you know he's got 
uh, flavor European-wise. So can you sell us some shoes in other parts of the world beyond North America? That will be interesting. Our next headline, the World Series is underway. It's the Cubs. It's the Indians. Greg, so many different storylines here. First, you know, the futility of these two franchises for years and years. So the Cubs haven't won a championship since 1908. You know, it's been nearly 50 years since the Indians won a World Series. So you've got long droughts. One of them is going to end. But then if you start looking at the people behind these teams, Theo Epstein and Terry Francona won a championship in Boston. So they ended that drought. Now they're on opposite sides, right? Jed Hoyer was in Boston with Theo. He's now the GM of the Cubs. You look at the closers. Andrew Miller with the Indians and uh, Araldus Chapman with the Cubs. They were with the Yankees at the beginning of the season. Both mm-hmm. got traded at the deadline. So they were in the same bullpen. Now they're anchoring the bullpens for the respective participants in the World Series. Lots of different storylines, but Someone is going to come away with this and say, we ended the drought. At the end of the day, it's ratings gold for Fox. So last year, average audience for Royals and Mets was 15 million viewers. I predicted on Twitter this week at SB Radio, I think average viewership per game is going to pencil out right around 25 million, which is a huge number mm-hmm. for the World Series because the ratings for the World Series over the last decade have declined and gone down and down and down. Now that you have these two franchises with huge fan bases, and especially the Cubs, which everyone has been interested in, are they going to end the drought? You know, I, I think it's going to be ratings gold. I do like Fox's pre- and post-game show. I think the combination of Pete Rose, who's Mr. Old School Guy, Frank Thomas, and A-Rod, you probably wouldn't put them together, but Fox <laughs> did. And, and I'll tell you what, they did a segment, I retweeted it, on hitting, the art of hitting, and it was led by Pete Rose, just gold. I mean, Pete Rose is the all-time Major League Baseball hits leader, even though he's not in the Hall of Fame. That's a conversation for another day. Frank Thomas in the Hall of Fame. A-Rod, if he didn't use PEDs, would be in the Hall of Fame. Rose, if he didn't bet on baseball, would be in the Hall of Fame. So to hear the three of them talk about the art of hitting was really, really interesting. And I even felt like Thomas and A-Rod we're learning from Pete Rose, who's like the Yoda of hitting. It was great. So I'd like to see more of that. But Fox, I think, is going to be a big winner at the end of this. And already, you know, FS1 had the NLCS with the Dodgers and the Cubs, and they had their highest week of viewership ever for their, you know, I would say relatively new, couple years old network. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's it's a cool series because there is so many storylines like you mentioned some of them and I love the Chicago just the history you know, interviewing these fans that are 90 years old and the stories of them going through and their dad watching the games and you know all the drought. Yeah. It's so cool. I just love that. It's what that's what makes baseball so cool. There's so much history in it and so many families have been in it and I think you right like you said ratings gold. You've also got two Midwest, you know, teams so it's not all east side, it's not all the west side. Right. So I think that helps too cuz people are kind of, you know, the time zones and stuff match up better. So, and, and I agree, Fox is, is doing great. And then the pregame show, you're right. It's like Yoda. It's Pete Rose, the Yoda sitting there. Everybody's <laughs> soaking up this information. How, how do we hit better? I love it. Now, there are some companies capitalizing and ticket brokers. I mean, tickets are going for, you know, $3,000 per ticket to these games, average. And then check this out, Griggs. So games one and two in Cleveland. In Chicago, Murphy's Bleachers, if you've been to Wrigley Field like I have, it's, it's, you know, right outside the park. And the Cubby Bear, those are like the big right. bars right around Wrigley Field. Cubby Bear is charging $100 just to walk in the door and, and watch the game. <laughs> I love it. At least Murphy's Bleachers, they're charging like 250 cover charge. Wow. And that's not $2.50, no. <laughs> that's $250. But you get a few drinks, you get some food, you get some other things. Cubby Bear is $100 just to walk in the door and hang out with yeah. fellow Cubs fans <laughs> and root for the Cubs. Like, that's crazy to me that people would pay that, but I guess they want to be around that oh, atmosphere. Yeah. When you saw, you know, the Cubs clinch the NLCS, there were more people outside the stadium on the streets <laughs> than there were inside the stadium. So, whichever team wins this thing, it is going to be bedlam in that city, whether it's Chicago or Cleveland. We already got a taste of what Cleveland would be like when the Cavs won a few months ago. So, I'm looking forward to the World Series. I said online Cubs and 7 on Twitter at SB Radio. So, I'm going to stick 
to that. I know they're down one game to nothing, but I think it's going to be a classic World Series. I don't think it's going to be a sweep. I don't think it's going to be a five game. I think it's going to go six or seven. I said Cubs and seven. Uh, what do you say? I said Cubs and six, but I think you're right. Six or seven. I think that's what's going to be. I think I think it'll be kind of every other game. Someone's going to win. I think it'll be one one two two one two two. It's going to be kind of that that way of series. So it's fun. I love it. Our last headline of the week: the Josh Brown fiasco. With the NFL. Here is yet another case where you look and you say, NFL, how could you handle this the way that you did? How could you not get the information that was needed before it was released to the public? So Josh Brown, for those who don't know, used to be the kicker for the Seattle Seahawks, lived in Washington for a while, uh, had some domestic violence uh, disputes with his wife. Those were documented. Then he moves on to kick for the New York Giants. And those instances became public. And then the state of Washington released documentation showing just how serious Josh Brown's domestic violence was with his wife and admissions from Josh Brown about this domestic violence. Now, the NFL had a chance to investigate this. And I've met Lisa Friel, who was hired two years ago to lead criminal investigations for the NFL to determine what the punishments are going to be, to be the person who recommends those things. And according to reports, the NFL calls the state of Washington, doesn't really identify themselves as NFL investigators. And I know that they don't have any legal hammer to get some of this evidence, but it didn't sound like they tried very hard to get this evidence. So they give Josh Brown a one-game suspension at the beginning of the year. The Giants pledge their support to Josh Brown. Then this documentation comes out in the last 10 days, and now everyone's like, whoa, hang on a minute here. In light of this new evidence, we really need to rethink this. And at the end of the day, kudos to the NFL for saying he's on the exempt list, just like Adrian Peterson was on the exempt list. He has been released by the New York Giants, who supported him. And shame on Ben McAdoo, the coach, who called this, you know, outside noise. This is domestic violence. This isn't outside noise. This isn't someone saying your kicker missed a few field goals or extra points. This is your kicker committed domestic violence. So it's not outside noise. But the Giants and the NFL looked really bad enabling and supporting a guy who did these things. I think they should have been able to get their hands on the evidence. And you know what, Griggs? This is a replay of Ray Rice. Right? The NFL gave the suspension with Ray Rice, but then, oh, the elevator video that they say they couldn't get their hands on that is released and prompted outrage, much like the Josh Brown police report did. Now they go back and go, okay, we got it wrong the first time in light of the fact that we didn't have all of the evidence, the elevator tape or the Josh Brown admission. We're going to go back and do this. And at the end of the day, yes, you could say, that they got it right in the end, but I just don't understand why the NFL can't get these things right in the first place. Why can't they get their hands on all of the evidence, whether it's the elevator video or the Josh Brown police report, because they continue to look bad and they continue to look like they aren't taking this seriously enough. And it's yet another reason why I think the interest in the NFL is declining. Has the bubble burst? We've talked about this on past shows. Is it the election and the fact that it's polarizing? Is it the fact that Peyton Manning has retired and he was on the Mount Rushmore of faces for the NFL? Is it the games are really not that compelling this year? The Seahawks-Arizona Cardinals 6-6 overtime tie is the worst NFL game I have ever watched in my life. That was a complete abomination. You have guys missing 24-yard field goals? There were penalties. It was a horrific game. The Monday night matchups, the Thursday night matchups have been abysmal. So I think it's a perfect storm of circumstances that have led to the decline of TV ratings for the NFL. But when you look at how they handle these off-the-field instances, domestic violence and others, Griggs, you just scratch your head. You go, this is the league that makes more money than any league in the United States. They have all the resources at their disposal. Why can't they get this right? So that's my my rant on the NFL. All right, coming up next, Seth Berger. He is the director of the Philadelphia 76ers New Innovation Lab. He's going to join us. 
If you want to know what it takes to be an entrepreneur, if you want to know what it takes to be part of the new Sixers Innovation Lab, tune into this conversation coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. Powered by Sprinkler. SBR will be right back. At Sports Business Radio, we are proud to work with Sprinkler, the leader in connecting teams with their fans. Whether you want to put selfies on the Jumbotron, provide in-game Twitter voting, create a dynamic social media lounge, or activate a hashtag campaign on your website, Sprinkler can design an amazing social experience true to your brand. With Sprinkler, teams can take social media posts from fans and display them across any screen in any venue. The cutting-edge visual displays empower fans to tell their stories in a new and compelling way. Teams like the New York Yankees, Dallas Cowboys, Boston Red Sox, LA Kings, and Cleveland Cavaliers all use Sprinkler to engage their fans and connect with them at the speed of social. On top of its many features, using the Sprinkler visual display platform can pay for itself through selling sponsorship. As an example, the LA Kings sell sponsor space to Delta and other clients and run the ads using Sprinkler. Want to learn more about bringing your brand, fans, and social data to life? Schedule a demo today. Go to sprinkler.com. That's S-P-R-I-N-K-L-R.com. If you're a fan of this podcast, you understand the real power of engaging your fans. And Sprinkler gets it better than anyone. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Seth Berger. He's the managing director of the Sixers Innovation Lab created by Kimball. He's the former and one CEO and founder. Seth, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Great, Brian. Thanks for having me today. So, you know, it's interesting. I watch Shark Tank. I've seen what the Dodgers, the Broncos, the Bucks, and the Nets have done with their innovation labs that they've launched. Tell us a little bit about the Sixers Innovation Lab crafted by Kimball and what it's going to be doing. Well said, Brian. Very good. We will be unique in this space in a couple different ways. First is flexibility in terms of deal structures and timelines. So entrepreneurs that have businesses often don't necessarily have the ability to work on someone else's timeline because they might be moving more quickly than someone else. So for us, we really bring companies in when they're ready and in a structure that fits both parties. Second is we have operational support. So we're much more of a day-to-day, how can we help your business think through its strengths and weaknesses with your branding, with your marketing, generate sales through our network, uh, as opposed to a finance-based model. And then third, importantly, the Sixers have $20 million that we can invest in companies on the way in uh, and as they continue in their lives. Entrepreneurs, uniquely, now I've been a broke, broke, broke entrepreneur back in the day. <laughs> and and entrepreneurs, when they come into the Sixers lab, get a couple really unique things in addition. First of all, free housing, as well as free food, in addition to the free office space, free legal services provided by Pepper Hamilton, free marketing services but provided by Maven Creative. But honestly, n- knowing you've got a, a good place to live and where every meal is going to come from the next you know, months when you're in the lab is really important because I can tell you my first year running and one, I didn't live on ramen. I lived on imitation ramen. <laughs> well, so a uh, full stomach always helps with your brain power. That's interesting. And I'm sure by providing housing and providing food, you're going to have engaged uh, people who are running these companies and they're going to be really focused. That's exactly right. I always felt when I was running and one and any of the other business I've run that if anyone ever came to me and asked for more money, it either meant that I didn't recognize how valuable they were or it was time for them to leave. And so in this situation, I want entrepreneurs thinking about their business 24-7, 365, as opposed to how to pay the next bill or where the next meal is going to come from. All right. So here's the question. What are the elements that you're looking for from a company, an early stage company, in order to be part of your innovation lab? We're more focused on a great team than a great idea. Obviously, having a great team and a great idea is a home run. Um, But I'm a big believer in teams and smart people usually figure out the right questions, and then they're smart enough there from there to figure out the right answers. The Sixers are mostly focused in the consumer space because our network with Scott O'Neill, our CEO, Josh Harris, David Blitzer, 
we've got networks across consumer businesses and industries, so I feel like we are really one call or email away from anyone we need to get to. So certainly we focus on consumer and the bullseye of sports and tech, but any consumer-facing business is where the Sixers Innovation Lab by, crafted by Kimball is looking to go. Why do you think these companies and these sports teams in particular are starting these innovation labs? Is it because they're trying to find the next great company and not only be in on the ground floor, but also that that business may be able to help make their sports team or businesses better? I think it's a great question. Fundamentally, the new breed of sports owners are really business people and investors that have had tremendous success and look at every business as an opportunity to increase return on investment as opposed to, you know, a family that might own a team for a long time. So these owners today realize that the access that the sports teams provide them to so many people in different industries means that we should be able to create lots of other businesses around these teams just by the fact that you're with the 76ers or you own the New Jersey Devils or Bristol Palace. That provides you access and opportunities to grow your your business. So I think these business people today are different in that they're constantly thinking about ways to grow their business, and the sports team happens to be one of their investments. I see Andre Iguodala, Kevin Durant, even Steph Curry in the Bay Area with the Warriors getting heavily involved with companies in Silicon Valley. You're not in Silicon Valley, but have any of the Sixers players, any of the New Jersey Devils, anyone that you guys know as athletes, have they come to you and said, I've got a company, I want to be part of your innovation lab? No, in fact, we actually, we've had a lot of companies in the sports space come in that want to serve athletes, right? So they might have a product where they think they can help athletes train better or learn more about what they do well or how they can improve. So I've seen a lot of stuff in that space. We haven't seen the connections between the athletes to the team. And there, quite frankly, is is a Chinese wall between us and the basketball side. I'm really on the business side and don't interact with the basketball side. Interesting. So the other thing that's interesting about your innovation lab is you've got advisors, the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, StubHub, DraftKings, Rothman Institute, First Round Capital, and Maven Creative. You've got others involved as well. What do they get out of this? They get opportunities to invest in all these businesses, quite frankly. So as companies come in, uh, we continue to inform our advisors of their progress. And so as those companies continue to grow, obviously, they need investment along the way. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, for, for, for a place like the Warden School, which I would never have been able to had any success in business had I not attended, it's an opportunity for them to also continue growing their network of entrepreneurs. Seth Berger, the managing director of the Sixers Innovation Lab created by Kimball, is my guest. You are also the former and one CEO and founder. So you're an entrepreneur. As an entrepreneur, what's the recipe for developing a successful company? I think the greatest thing that an entrepreneur can do is to be first comfortable with the freedom that being an entrepreneur provides. And that can be scary. So from the time you're, you're born until you graduate from school, someone tells you uh, what time you have to wake up, when you have to be at school, what time you have to be at class. And then quite frankly, when you go to work, what time does your job start? What's the dress code? What's your monthly budget? What are your yearly goals? When you're an entrepreneur, you, your life is a blank piece of paper. And it's as if someone has given you an essay without a topic. So every day is up to you. For some people, that's great because it's really freedom. For some people, it's really, really scary, and that's not not right. The second thing that's really important for an entrepreneur is to surround yourself with great teammates. So at And One, uh, I had just an amazing collection of teammates around me who were all smarter and better than I was. And I've always said that if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So the second thing that entrepreneurs can do is really to – uh, to surround themselves with great teams and be comfortable with the fact that the success that you may have usually is a result of a lot of the people around you, a lot of hard work, as well as a lot of luck. Um, and, and then the last thing is obviously, like anything else, you have to work incredibly hard. There, with technology today, it's not like business has any set hours. When you're an entrepreneur, you have to be committed to the fact that you will think about your business every waking moment. 
And if you're committed to that, you make a great business. And if you're not committed to that, then quite frankly, you should go work for somebody else. Now, I think it's great advice. I've been an entrepreneur for almost 20 years now, and I think everything you said is right on the mark. And I think it does take a certain type of personality to be able to be an entrepreneur and work for yourself. And you can't be afraid of taking risk. You can't be afraid of some failure. Reflecting on your time at AN1 as the CEO and founder, what was the proudest moment for you with that? Hmm, That's a great question. The proudest moment. You know, actually, I, I would say very early, and, and it might seem odd to you, we were, uh, when we first started selling t-shirts, and the summer of 94 was about eight months into the business, we went to a local Hoop It Up, which used to be uh, the, one of the biggest national three-on-three tournaments. Right. right. And w- we saw a 14-year-old girl wearing one of our t-shirts, and she was really, really good. Um, you know, she was, she was clearly the best player on the court in her age group. And the fact that our, our message had spread to a 14 year old girl. And then that fall, uh, I got a picture sent, uh, to me by a friend of mine. There was a basketball player at St. Bonaventure's. His name is David Capers. I'll never forget it. And David had actually tattooed our logo onto his arm. And so over the years, we got pictures of so many people who would send in pictures of the and one logo the player we used to call him tattooed on their arm and so what that meant to us is that our message that being a basketball player is a culture in and of itself and and that we want to represent ourselves as basketball players that that in some way is our religion we knew we were starting to uh to hit home with consumers and ultimately that's what we wanted to do now that's a great story and it's got to be you know, again, I'm an entrepreneur as well. When you create something and you see people embrace it, it really is a, a, a proud moment. Sometimes a surreal moment, right? You kind of go, wow, you know, I, I thought of that or I created that and look at how it's being received. You're completely right about that. You know, you put so much of your heart and effort and energy into creating something. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, they really worked. Like, for example, we have this new business in to the lab monsterroster.com which is a line of recommendation process for fantasy sports and the response that we're getting and the retention rates and the usage rates that we're getting from our consumers is amazing and our CEO Dylan Elder is a 20 year old kid who just finished his freshman year at Georgetown for him to see his creation being used by people playing fantasy sports it's, it's awesome to watch that process again with another young entrepreneur a 20-year-old kid. I mean, think about what we were doing at age 20. And see, to see someone who's created something like this is is fantastic. Most of the people who bring you ideas, are they in their 20s? Are they older? Does it vary? What does that look like? They're all over the map. But I'll tell you this. First round capital, I'm an advisor to the dorm room fund. And Finn Barnes is one of Josh Koppelman's partners. Finn uh, and I worked together at AN1 for years. He actually interned for me at Haverford College. So first round, as you know, as an advisor, they just did a study, I got it, I want to say about a month ago. And basically the results were that the younger the entrepreneur, the more likely you were to succeed. Hmm. So there was some graph between, you know, 25 and 29 and 29 and 31. And basically between 21 and 33, and in some cases between 21 and 30, the younger you start, the more likely you are to succeed. And part of that, I believe, is that as you get older, you've probably had a job. And if you've been successful, that job probably pays you pretty well. So you get very comfortable and don't want to give up some of the things that you need to if you really are a committed entrepreneur. When you're young, as I've been young and broke, most of young people have less money. So they're really focused on building businesses as opposed to the comforts that come with success. And what matters to them more is how do they build their business as opposed to how do they make money, right? So if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, as you know, it's about focus on building your business and creating something that is unique and meaningful. If you do that, you will be successful and the money can follow. If what you are focused on is getting some money, that it's really hard to succeed as an entrepreneur. And you people... You can never tell a young person what they can't achieve. So I'm a big believer that some, sometimes experience can actually work, work against you 
because you can start to believe what you cannot accomplish. Young people, they have no idea what they cannot, cannot accomplish, and they believe they can change the world. Those are the people that are the most successful entrepreneurs. No, that's really interesting information. The other thing I think about young people, and I started my businesses when I was in my 20s, not early 20s, but I'd say mid-20s, and I didn't have a wife. I didn't have my daughter yet. I didn't have any other responsibility other than my businesses. So I felt like I can focus 100% on that and I can swing for the fences. Like I don't have to worry about if something fails, it's going to harm my wife or it's going to harm my daughter. I felt more free to swing for the fences. I think there's something to that too. Would you agree? I 100% agree with you, Brian, that when I, when I meet with entrepreneurs, if they're married and they have kids, they will be more risk averse, yep. as they should be. Because once we all have kids, our lives are for our kids. And you can't tell your wife or your husband or your kids, hey, listen, you know, this next year and a half or two or three are going to be really tough. But I need you to stick with me because I have this dream. Because you've got to take care of your kids. When you're single, it's pretty easy to be broke. <laughs> you know, and it's pretty easy. To, it is, you know, like, what do you got to do? You got to eat, you got to sleep, you got to wake up do it again the next day. You know, you got, you don't have to get a kid to a school and pay for, you know, your wife's bills or whatever it might be. You're totally right. So what, when I find entrepreneurs who are uh, single and ready to go, it's much easier for them to be committed to their businesses. Just a few minutes left with Seth Berger, the managing director of the Sixers Innovation Lab created by Kimball. He's the former N1 CEO and founder as well. So, look, this is a relationship business. You have an accomplished resume. What was it about the Sixers Innovation Lab and the people around the lab that drew you to this opportunity? Three people, really. Uh, Scott O'Neill, Josh Harris, and David Blitzer. So, Scott and I have been super close since 1994 when I was literally in my first trade show in Atlanta Scott was selling sponsorships for the New Jersey Nets and he came to my booth we had a big sign that said your game is as ugly as your girl (laughs) on top of it that's one of our best selling t-shirts Scott Scott was immediately as as, as as a profound trash talker on the court Scott was immediately drawn to our brand and he and I became super close he used to help me sneak into Brendan Byrne Arena to bring in boxes of my T-shirts to the players. And then we just became super close friends. We did a business together in the late 90s, HoopsTV.com, where I tried to wreck his career. Uh-huh. And to Philly, our kids go to the same school. So he's one of my closest friends. So Scott had called me and asked me whether I'd be interested. And quite honestly, Scott could ask me if I wanted to sell watermelons on the beach uh, in, in Bermuda, and I'd be really interested in doing anything with that. And then David Blitzer, it turns out, had gone to Penn and uh, was a very good friend of a guy that I had played sprint football with at Penn who had also played JV basketball, which I did. So he spoke worlds of David, and Josh Harris is a Wharton grad. So I've known of him for quite some time and heard only great things. So the combination of those three guys really drew me to it. Because at the end of the day, right, it's about how you spend your time, and I want to spend my time working with and working for great people. How big do you think this innovation lab can become? How big do you want it to be? haven't really thought that. To be honest with you, Brian, I, I, I'm really excited about all the opportunities that I see to help these businesses come in. As you probably know, I coach high school basketball, and I view my role here as a coach, too. First, I have to recruit really good companies and really talented management teams to want to be a part of the lab. Second, to help them grow while they're there. And then third, to support them as they grow in their life while they may leave the lab. I don't really have any goals for how big I want it to be. If we do the right things and help businesses grow, then it will be successful and will make a difference. If you want more information on the Sixers Innovation Lab crafted by Kimball, you can go to SixersInnovationLab.com. That's SixersInnovationLab.com. Seth, like I said off air before the interview, anytime I can meet someone who has the last name I have, Burger, and you spell it the right way, uh, I'm impressed by your resume and what you're doing. I think what you're doing with the Innovation Lab is, is fantastic. So I appreciate you taking the time to join us on Sports Business Radio. My man, thanks, bro. Have a great day. You too. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR, powered by Sprinkler, after this. Hey, yo, hey, yo. 
Hi, it's Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. Did you know that Super Bowl 50 broke the record for single-day Wi-Fi usage and beat last year's record before halftime? And that nearly 80% of fans use their mobile phones during live sports events? Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. And that is why major venues around the country work with Boingo Wireless to manage their wireless networks. Boingo knows fans, and they know how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. Boingo designs, installs, manages, and monetizes wireless networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Chicago Soldier Field and Phillips Arena, home of the NBA's Atlanta Hawks. Boingo is the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless services so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Sports Business Radio has teamed up with Boingo to bring you monthly stadium stories focused on how technology is changing the business of sports. I will speak with Boingo and their partners, including athletic directors, venue owners, leading sports marketers, and industry influencers who will share valuable insights you'll want to tune in for. For more information on Boingo Wireless, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. This is Sports Business Radio. My guest is Jim Olson. He is the president of Vivint Smart Home Arena. They are home to the NBA's Utah Jazz. Jim, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So you have a $125 million renovation, top-to-bottom upgrades underway, supposed to be completed in the fall of 2017. And our friends at Boingo Wireless are working with you guys on the distributed antenna system, basically the connectivity for your arena. Tell us about this new renovation. Well, you're right. It's a $125 million renovation, top to bottom. We're, we're putting solar up on the roof, and we're doing new uh, floor suites down on the floor and, and everything in between. Um, as a part of this renovation, technology is going to be one of the, uh, the driving um, initiatives of, of what we want to really improve. And, and that started with a new DAD system and working with, with Boingo. And uh, we, we realized when, when people come to our events, come to our jazz games, they want to be able to, to connect. And, you know, that's just the world we live in, and we understand that. And so uh, one of the first steps we made was to engage with Boingo and, and really step up our game with, uh, with an en- enhanced DAS system. And, and our fans actually are already seeing the improvements of that, and, and that will lead to a Wi-Fi system that's going to be drastically improved, as, as well as some other technology uh, initiatives. How old is your arena? 25 years. We're, we're celebrating our 25-year anniversary as we speak. So I've been there before. I used to work with the NBA's Portland Trailblazers, so I've been to your arena. It's a, a very nice arena, and I really like Salt Lake City. Um, but it's interesting because I think, you know, here I am in Portland, and the Moda Center is 20 years old. So, you know, you have to extend the lifespan of these venues. It's too expensive to build new ones, and it's right. too hard to get the funding so doing things like this, like these renovations, are, are what most venues are, are opting to do. And connectivity is such an important part of it. So Doug Lauder from Boingo has been on the show before, and I love his line where he says, having Wi-Fi at your venue is every bit as important as having toilets at your arena <laughs> for your fans. It really is the same thing now because, you know, I have a daughter who's 12, and when we go anywhere – whether it's a baseball game, a basketball game, or a concert, you want to take pictures and you want to post them on social media. And it really is a prerequisite for owning a venue now, right? It is. And when you think about it, there's really three elements. We, we view it uh, you know, in three elements of, of how it really benefits the experience. One is, and you touched on it, one is when people are here, they want their friends to know. They right. want them to know they're at a, at a jazz game or a, a U2 concert or whatever, and it's taking pictures and posting those out on social media. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of part of that social scene, and, and, and people expect that. You know, the other part of it is, is being able to connect directly with the event or the game that's going on. You're here in the game. You're able to get 
more information about what's going on in the game, some stats or or uh, other types of information, updates if someone's injured, is there an injury update, and and there's there's communication that way, and and then and then third is is really safety. Um, people, you know, people want to feel safe when they're in, in in environments like this, and I think if they if they don't feel like they can connect, right. um, is there an element of, of safety that uh, they're lacking, and so uh, we. We view it as those three uh, very important uh, things that we do, why we need to let people connect. So I see some of the things you're doing, Snapchat game filters. You can take selfies with the Jazz Bear. Uh, you've got some hotspots set up around the arena. Uh, again, ways to connect with fans or uh, people who are coming to concerts when they're at your venue, it sounds like. No, that's exactly right. You know, you come into the arena, uh, you know, prior to a jazz game, and we've got big video boards. You, you know, most arenas are really enhancing and their video boards, and we've got a new center-hung video board and corner boards up in each of the four corners. And we've got Twitter feeds that are rolling pregame where people are, you know, tweeting out things, and you're able to watch, you know, see if your your tweet gets put up on the board and, uh, you know, fun things like that. We're, we're doing more in-game uh, or or working towards doing more in-game elements where where people can connect with with fun contests that are going on through their phones and and, and pictures and so forth. So it will continue to increase and, and develop as, uh, as 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 we get more and more creative. So Boingo Wireless, our friends, they're a leading DAS provider that is distributed antenna system network. They have partnered with Solid on the project for your arena. They've also done Soldier Field in Chicago. They've done Phillips Arena, which is home to the Atlanta Hawks. Explain to our listeners, some people don't understand what a distributed antenna system is and how that helps them connect better when they come to venues. Explain that to our audience, if you would. Yeah, that, that's, that's a great question because there is a difference between that and the Wi-Fi. I, I think people understand Wi-Fi a little bit better, but, but what the, the distributed antenna system does, it, it, it allows the, the data portion of your phone to work better and, and the phone portion of, of getting calls and text messages and so forth. And so when you get 20,000 people in a very tight space like this, yep. if, if you don't have uh, an antenna system that is that that is you know built for that type of capacity uh, people can't they can't call out they can't get calls coming in they can't text out you know they can't look up information if if wi-fi isn't sufficient they can't look up information using their data and so what it does you know there's really the, the, the two sides of the system a data system and the wi-fi system it it will boost that ability to to get calls take give, make calls get calls text and so forth and and that's every bit as important as the wi-fi and it's interesting to me, if I look at who Boingo Wireless has worked with recently, it's large universities like Louisville and the University of Houston. Again, it's Soldier Field, which is an old venue. Your venue, you just said, 25 years old. Phillips Arena, 20-plus years old. So when these arenas or stadiums were built, we didn't have social media. We didn't have the need for connectivity that we have today. So I see more and more venues that I would say are 20-plus years old that are opting for this type of uh, upgrade and, and renovation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you said earlier, it, it is an absolute necessity to have a system that allows our fans to connect. And if you're an old arena or a new arena, it doesn't matter. It's just as important in, in either type of an arena or stadium, wherever you may be. And uh, there is a huge commitment. I, I Across the board, as I talk to other teams and venues around the country, everybody is putting an emphasis on on making sure that, that you, your guests, your fans, people come to your venue can can connect and connect at a very good level uh, you know there, there was a time period where we were trying to improve some wi-fi elements we were trying to make sure you know some people were doing their own dad system and experimenting with that and it, it helped a little bit but what we've learned is we're, we're in the we're in the nba business we're in the concert business we're in the entertainment business we are not in the the DAS or Wi-Fi business. So you go out, you get the experts, you let them come into your arena, your facility, and, and let them show you the best solution. 
So that leads me to my next question. Why were Boingo Wireless and Solid the right partners to design and manage your DAS system? Well, there are a couple a couple reasons why. The first is is when we you know we we shopped it around. We met with with other companies out there, and, and they're they're very good companies out there that that are doing a lot of great work. We felt the vision that Boingo had, and bringing and also bringing in Solid, but we felt the vision that they had for how this would work um, was was aligned with us. It was obviously there was a business element, and, and that was the second part of it. But but obviously. Obviously, there is a business element, but they were very committed to making sure that that the system was going to provide our fans with with what they expected and and what we expect. And we just, our our visions aligned, and uh, we just felt very good about that. And then, as I mentioned, the second part of it is, you know, they had a business structure that worked for us and worked, you know, none of these costs get passed on to the fans. Um, it's it's a cost that's absorbed, you know, through through agreements with the carriers and so forth. And and Boingo had a great uh, a great setup for how that was structured, and and it just came together, and they were the right partner for us. In general, how long does an installation like that take? That's a that's a great question. The installation didn't take very long. It, it was a pretty quick uh, installation. You know, within within a month period of time, um, it was it was installed and and ready to start operating. So your fans can see pretty instant improvement. You know, look, I've walked into venues that are older, like the ones we've just discussed, and you can tell the ones that don't have good connectivity versus the ones that do. So I would imagine from last season to this season, and I know you haven't hosted your first home game yet, but you've had some preseason games, probably a big difference for the fans, right? It is. It is. They're already noticing it. You know, with our preseason games, we've 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 tested it ourselves to make sure that we're getting the results um, that that we expect. And and uh, but more importantly, our fans have noticed it, and uh, we're getting positive feedback from them. Does Vivint Smart Home Arena have an app? And I think the Jazz have an app too. So again, more ways to connect for concerts, for jazz basketball, things like that. And now that you can get connected, even easier. That's right. I mean, it, it's a variety of, of, you know, connecting through the app, through the mobile website, um, signing up for messages to receive updates, if it be through text or email. Uh, we want our fans to be able to connect to social media, going through Twitter accounts and Facebook pages and other types of social media. We Different people want to connect different ways, and we're just going to try to make sure they can connect uh, any way that they prefer and get the information and the updates and and follow us any way they can and want to. A few minutes left with Jim Olson. He's the president of Vivint Smart Home Arena, which is home to the NBA's Utah Jazz. Also, marquee sports and entertainment events. Uh, Good concerts. What's the best concert you've had recently? Well, I'll tell you what. Last year at this time, uh, we we had four shows of Garth Brooks. Oh, yeah. And He's great. You know, it's tough to beat that. Yeah, it, it, it's tough to beat that. Uh, that that was probably one of my favorites. I've I'm going into my 23rd year with the organization now, and I've got to say that that was probably one of my favorites. Um, it's always a it's always a highlight to get you two here. We've had them a couple of times. Um, uh, Taylor Swift was a big show. Justin Bieber was a big show. Um, we're we're very fortunate with the shows that we get. They they make it to this market, and uh, we're we're always uh, we're always excited to bring in those big shows. Give us a little peek behind the curtain. Again, I work for the Trailblazers. I know about booking, but it's changed a lot, I would say, in the last 10 to 15 years. It seems like there's less acts that are touring. There's less, uh, I would say, properties that you can buy. And, and is someone who sits in your seat, I would imagine your your ultimate goal would be to book as many of the 365 days of the year as possible for your venue. How's how's that changed in the last decade or so? 
Well, you're exactly right. When, when our when our venue is empty, um, we're not making money, and not only are we not making money, it, it's costing us money just to be open and right. and, and you know running. And so, any dark night is is not a night that we look forward to. We 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 probably we book anywhere from about a hundred to a hundred and twenty nights a year. So we're you know we're booked a third of the time. Um, but but the, you're right. The industry has changed. Um, what we're finding, you know, bands these days they, they don't stay around for 20 years. I right. mean, you do have, as I mentioned, your U2s and your Rolling Stones and those bands that just their career has gone on forever. Bands are, there's a few that have some longevity, but most of them, they're, they're quicker. They, they're in and they're out. And, and, and so where we see the industry changing is trying to look over the horizon. What's, what's that next band that, or act that's, that's out there that could could give us a surprising show and and you know working with the promoters and 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 directly with the acts themselves you know we would love to have Garth Brooks come to our arena and play four shows every year but the re- the reality of that happening is isn't going to we'd love you two to come every year but it's not going to happen so you got to find those next tier acts and and hopefully find ones that you know every once in a while you find one that when you started talking about them maybe they weren't as popular but by the time you go on sale that the, their hits may it out and and you know you, you have some success with that so we know you've worked with boingo and solid on managing your daf system what's left for the 125 million dollar renovation project well uh a lot of uh it's interesting i just read an article in uh, about the yankee stadium and how they're going to be renovating some things to create more social space our dri- after technology, our driving discussion has been people want to socialize. It, 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 back a long time ago, the idea is you'd go to a game, you go to an event, you sit there, you're there to watch it. You know, times have changed. People want to socialize. They want to have areas where they can hang out a little bit, where they can get good food, uh, not not just a cold hot dog, but really good food. We're, we're putting kitchens throughout the arena so people can see and experience the live cooking that's going on. And then from there, they get to hang out, have a place where they can hang out and socialize. And we're not trying to keep people out from watching the game, but maybe they'll come a little earlier. Maybe they'll spend a little more time during halftime socializing. So it, it's creating a social, interactive, great food uh, type of environment. Um, now, in addition to that, we're upgrading clubs. We're creating some, of, or not creating, but but, but implementing a, a more vibe and excitement in the clubs that we currently have. So those will be upgraded. But but it's about a social, engaging atmosphere with great food. Well, Jim Olson, the president of Vivint Smart Home Arena, I know the people at Boingo Wireless, our friends, have really enjoyed working with you on this project. I wish you much success with the completion of the renovation, and good luck in the in the future ahead with uh, the arena. Well, I appreciate you having me. Appreciate you, your attention to you know where this business is going, and uh, we're 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 grateful to be a part with part of uh, Boingo and what they're doing. It's just been a great partnership. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. Powered by Sprinkler. SBR will be right back. So, 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 so. The way I used to love you, oh, I don't want to know. Hello, everyone. Mark King here, president of Adidas Group North America. One of the most inspiring parts of my job is the conversations I have every day with extraordinary people who are shaping the sports landscape. I talk to athletes, league executives, athletic directors, and agents, and now I'm bringing these conversations to you through my new podcast series, Extraordinary Happens, Competing in Sports, Business, and Life. This series dives deeper into what inspires the people who are leading change in sport, both on and off the field. I want to know what makes them tick and uncover how they're challenging convention to make extraordinary things happen for their teams, their businesses, and themselves. And I want to share those stories and insights with you. Tune in to my bi-weekly episodes of Extraordinary Happens on iTunes and Stitcher. And remember, get out there, challenge each other, lead change, and make extraordinary happen. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. 
We are back to wrap up this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks to our guests this week, Seth Berger and Jim Olson. Enjoyed conversations with both of them. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Sprinkler for powering Sports Business Radio. Follow them online at sprinkler.com. That's S-P-R-I-N-K-L-R.com. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at boingo. Very soon, keep your eyes on my Twitter feed at SB Radio. We will be announcing our next, not one, but two Sports Business Radio Roadshows coming up. Really good uh, on-remote interviews that I'm going to be doing with movers and shakers from the world of sports business. So, uh, and I'm excited about the locations and the cities that we're going to. So keep your eye on that. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes. Type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 100 business news podcasts. We have over 300 podcasts from the last 13 years that you can find on iTunes. You can also find our show on Audio Boom at sportsbusinessradio.com, TuneIn Radio, and the Stitcher app. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. Our Twitter feed was named to the top 50 sports business must-follows on Twitter by Forbes.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bowl Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the World Champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.